didn't know what he was going to be sharing. I left it entirely up to him. But my sermon today, and if Arav can get that uh, Philippians, uh, the scripture today that I'm going to be sharing from is Philippians 4.13, where Paul writes and uh, he shares with us that uh, in the midst of him being in prison, when he wrote the letters to the, the letter to the Philippians, he wrote it while he was imprisoned in a Philippian jail. And uh, at that time, he was under a lot of duress. And he's writing and thanking the Philippians for their grace, their faith, and uh, all that the Lord was doing in them and through them. So I'm going to just maybe refer to Philippians chapter 4 and read a couple of verses from the beginning. Because really, that's how I feel about each of you and what the Lord is doing with us in this season. He writes in Philippians 4, he says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for. And as Avidis was saying, uh, we can get rid of that uh, now, thank you. As Avidis was saying, we are longing to be together again. We're longing to be able to share hugs, handshakes, sitting next to one another, worshiping together under the same roof. It's just not the same. Uh, when Ara came in yesterday, and uh, we spent some time, Sagwan, Ara, and myself, just going over the technology that makes this happen, uh, we were looking around the room, and I don't know if you can see it, but all, you, I know you can't, but Sarah's going to probably put some things on, on social media, and you can get a picture of what's happening in the sanctuary. All the chairs are stacked. There's a table across the front of the stage here. And uh, you know what? Maybe we can show you this. Ara, if you want to put Salpi up. You got it? Yeah. Live? So that's what our sanctuary now looks like. We're longing for the time to be together again. We're longing to be able to sit together and, and worship together and, and uh, just celebrate the goodness of God. So here we go. You got Salpi? There we go. So this is what the sanctuary looks like. It looks abandoned. Aaron is sitting over there on one side. Silva sitting behind the tech team. You got Ara and uh, Sarah sitting there masked because of social distancing. You've got all the technology that's running and making all of this happening. And you can see that the chairs are butt stacked up. There's nobody here. And Mark is sitting in the very back corner there. Say hi, Mark. So we're maintaining social distancing. We're keeping ourselves in such a way. You can go back. Thank you. Uh, we're keeping ourselves distance from one another, masking where we're getting close. And uh, it, it's just not the way we do church. It's not the way we do family. We're part of one social circle, our family. Ours is part of his own. So when we're together, we're masked. 
Sagwan was here, we were masked. It just doesn't feel the same. It really separates us. But I'm glad that we have the personal protection equipment that allows us to be able to do what we need to do and remain healthy. You know, there's a lot of talk about this is against the church, this is this, this is that. I don't want to get into any of that because that's not my perspective. My perspective is that the enemy is trying to divide the people of, divide the people across the earth. He is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's not the one that is uh, coming only against the church. He's coming against all of humanity because he knows humanity is the carrier of God's image. So I don't look at this as a single attack against the church. The church is part of it, but the church is becoming more the church today than it ever has. Paul, in the midst of him, him being in jail was able to look at that situation and say, I, I long and long to be with you, for you are my crown and my joy. Stand firm in this way, my beloved. And then he talks about a conflict that's going on between two of the sisters in the church, Syntyche and uh, Judea. And he says, pray, and, and I urge them to be of the same mind. Because they had different views on different things that were going on. You know, they may have been debating why Paul is in jail. And if, if, you know, God is with him, why hasn't he released him like he released Peter? Maybe they were arguing some theological points. Maybe they were just arguing some fleshy things. Whatever the case, he asks the other leaders in the church and the people of the church in Philippi to help them. Help them so that they're, they don't have struggle in their conflict. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. Sometimes in the midst of all of these stressors that we go through, I know in my case, when I'm under stress, when I haven't slept enough, when I'm hangry, you know what hangry is, right? Uh, hangry is uh, when you're hungry and you become angry. In those situations, uh, I react differently. I'm human, and I react differently. And I'm probably the most differently with my own family. And they're the ones that see it the most, or the ones that are the closest to me. You're all my family, but you don't all see it the same way. Those that are closest to me are probably going to get my prickliness more so. So these two, Erdia and Syntyche, were very close to one another and they actually struggled and worked in the ministry with Paul. So there is proximity causes the masks to come off as it were and we become more raw and more real with one another. So one of the social concerns with the pandemic, with the whole stay home situation, has been the stress of what happens within the nuclear family, within people that are living under the same roof and being quarantined together for that kind of time. Where parents were always running off to work and children are always doing their social things with their, you know, at church, or excuse me, at school or at uh, different social things that they're doing with their friends, going to the mall or whatever. All of a sudden, that nuclear family 
especially if you have teenagers or if you're a teenager and it's no longer cool to be hanging around with mom and dad, all of a sudden you're stuck at home with mom and dad. You're probably making puzzles. You're probably baking and cooking. You're probably watching Netflix or who else, whatever else. And in the midst of all of that, friction happens. So he urges them, help them. So my prayer has been that in the midst of all of this rawness, where all of a sudden we're being forced into re-establishing our family relationships, my prayer has been that each one of our homes become lighthouses where we become good at being family together in the nuclear. That we become reacquainted with one another and learn to love one another in a deeper way, in a fresh way. Rekindle that love of our immediate family circle. Some of you may be living alone. And that's an entirely different challenge of being in quarantine when we're in the middle of all of this. It's been a long time. I was looking back over our email updates and the first one we sent was May 15 where we canceled the service. Sorry, March, March 14th. Thank you. I'm being corrected and I'm glad. That's a long time ago. March, April, May, June, July. Who would have thought when I stood on this stage and started to share with us and that little video clip about no longer handshaking or hugging one another? Do you remember that day? And I showed you the, the, the foot handshake where you tap each other's feet or use your elbow. And then we had to shut the services down and suspend the services we said. Not cancel them, but suspend them. We had to wordsmith, all that. That was in March. That's over four months ago. It's a lot of Sundays. At the third of a year, and it doesn't look like it's any time soon that we're able to get together because of the requirements that we have to have for social distancing. You saw how the, the place is set up. Within all of that, how do we deal with the situation? Within the broken tooth in that exam at the dental school admission, within the mountain return, climbing up the hill, within the challenges of some of us who have relatives that may be getting sick, some of us who have been exposed to some others that would require us to be quarantined, within all of that, within the unknown of financial situations for some of us, within the unknown of whether my company is going to exist when all of this is over, with all of these unknowns, Paul is writing to us, and he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Are we able to rejoice when we have to put on a mask? Are we able to rejoice when we have to go to the store and we can no longer show people our smile? Are we able to rejoice when all we have to depend on is a little wrinkle in our eyes that the people know that we're happy to see them even with a mask on? We can't touch them. Let alone the challenges of some of us who have had to say goodbye to some loved ones that we can't even be together with the family to hug and cry together and mourn together. I know when Pastor John passed away, the funeral was myself and nine other close family members, like his sons and daughters. And everybody sat far apart at Cain Funeral Home. Nobody touching anybody. We walked, drove together to the cemetery Again, everybody far apart. 
nobody hugging, nobody doing anything, but everybody mourning and, and feeling the pinch of the separation, but unable to mourn in the normal way we mourn. And yet Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. Hangry or not, let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything. Can we agree and say together, I will not worry about anything? In the midst of all of that's happening with this pandemic, in the midst of all that's happening all across the globe, the uncertainty that we face, the unknown that may be just around the corner, that big crevice that was in my way back up the hill to get back into safety, the broken tooth model. In the midst of all of this, can we say together, the Lord is near, do not worry. But in everything, in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. We heard a testimony from a senior grandpa, and we heard a testimony from a young lady that has just gotten engaged, and now planning for her wedding with her fiancé, in the midst of those two testimonies, we saw in the midst of a challenge, they made their request known to God. And both of them immediately got answered. The answer in every case may be different. In some cases it may be instant. In some other cases it may take a little bit of process for us to walk through before we can get to the answer. He's right there waiting for us. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. I don't know why. Everything around me seems dark. But in the midst of it, I've made my request known to God. And now I'm at peace. The peace of God, which surpasses, goes way above all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The language doesn't lend itself to make it only one way or the other, but I'm going to play this game with words. If you don't have your heart and your mind guarded, you're going to be open to thoughts that will cause you to lose your peace, lose your joy, lose your assurance that the Lord is even near. And it's going to make you fret and try to figure out what to do on your own. And it might lead you down the wrong path. When Abidis Yaqbar was walking in the midst of that forest, he had not consulted the Lord until he was in trouble. But when he got into trouble, he consulted the Lord and there was a way out. But he may have prevented all of that if he had consulted the Lord and heard the voice of God before he went down into that valley and exposed himself to the risk. We don't know. But in our lives, a lot of times, we jump in and we try to fix things and we try to do things our own way that gets us into trouble. So when we come to this chapter, in chapter four, uh, 4, Verse 8, he says, Finally, beloved, whatever is true, and what is true? Jesus says that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He is always true. You know, Bill Johnson puts it this way, that Jesus Christ is perfect theology. 
So the perfect expression and the perfect understanding of God is represented in Jesus. So that is the perfect truth. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. This is Paul saying, and not just me. I'm not qualified to say that the way he was. But all of us have around us models that we call spiritual parents, spiritual seniors, elder brothers and sisters, people that have become models and examples for us. And for me, I surround myself with spiritual men and women that I consider to be spiritual fathers to me. A good friend of mine recently has developed is one who we had with us recently, and that's John Arnott. And John was with us, and uh, if you recall, a few weeks ago, he shared about the goodness of God and the love of God. In the midst of all of that, I was talking to him, and he says to me, are you sleeping well? Are you getting get, get dressed and so forth? And he starts sharing some things that he's been doing in his life that have been helping him. These are practical things. These are not spiritual things. I mean, we talk about spiritual things, but he's telling me what I should do to be able to get a good night's sleep. So I followed that advice, and guess what? For the last four or five days, I've been doing what he's asked me or suggested I do, and I sleep right through the night. I don't even have to get up to go to the bathroom. How many have you, have, nights have you had to get up to go to the bathroom, especially as you get older in years? I'm sorry. Am I too raw here? Yeah, thank you. Shirley, I'm so sorry. I'm going to slow down for this last few minutes. I rejoice in the Lord greatly now that, that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, he goes on. But verse 15, uh, 13, sorry. Sorry, let me read that from verse 10. I rejoice in the Lord greatly now that at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned for me but had no opportunity to show it. He's talking to them about them helping him financially because of his situation. Not that I'm referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. Everything that I shared with you up until now, you have to remember, he was writing this in the middle of a jail cell. He was not in a good place. In the physical, he was in the probably in the worst situation that Saul of Tarsus had ever been in. He was a man that was equipped. He was a man that was commissioned. He was a soldier of Israel. He was going around executing Christians for having shifted and drifted from the roots of their historical Jewish faith. He had money. He had resources. All of a sudden, this man, because of what happened with him in Christ, he's in jail cell in Philippi. And he's processing all of these things. He's telling them, advising them, where to keep their focus in the midst of challenges. And he's doing the same to us. And he says, I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty or being in need. I know all of that. 
I know where I need to focus when I have nothing. But I also know where I need to focus when I have something. Because when I have something, that becomes a difficult, a more difficult challenge to me keep my focus because it's easier for me to depend on myself in those situations. When I'm in riches, when I'm in freedom, when I'm in peace, it's easy for me to lose sight of God. But even in the midst of the challenge, I encourage you, keep your eyes on God. Keep your ear to Him. Know that He is near. Know that the Lord is near. Do not worry about anything. It's in that context that He says these words. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. It is in that context, in the context of the jail cell in Philippi, in the context of not having all that he had, in the context of not having the soldiers that would be at his side to execute his command, in the context of having chains on on his hands and feet, (coughs) in the context of all of that, having lost it all, or having had it all, he says, I can do all things. That verse is a very popular verse amongst Christians. Some athletes have it on their face when they're getting ready for game. They mark it down. I can do all things. Some of them have tattoos. Other people have done all kinds of things with that verse. But sometimes we take it out of context. It doesn't mean I can do anything I want. It means I can face any challenge and I can survive through that challenge because I know God has a purpose for me and He will walk me through. This was impressed on him because of his whole journey. This has been the experience of Elham when she broke her model that she was working, the chalk model of the tooth that she was working on. And all of a sudden, God shows up through this person that comes and says, take what you need. And she ended up actually completing that model that she carved in that last half hour, despite the fact that she lost everything that she had worked on before that. Was she able to do in half hour what it took hours to do for the others? Somehow she was able to. When Abed Isikhbar was coming to that place where it was an impossibility for him to jump up that, uh, that, that steep thing, that steep hill, was an impossibility for him, but somehow he felt with the help of the Spirit, the angels or whoever helped him get up there as he jumped. It wasn't his own jump, but he made it up there. I can testify of other things in my life that I've seen God show up and take me through situations that were supernaturally impossible or naturally impossible for me to achieve, but supernaturally the Lord made it happen. I encourage you. We have no idea what lays ahead. Some of us don't know if we're going to get back to to work or what's going to be ahead for us. I encourage you, don't worry. Do not worry about anything. Keep your eyes focused on the right things. Watch and listen. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything. The Lord Jesus himself, in the midst of his most trying time, the night that he was going to be betrayed, He knew what was coming. He knew that he had all of history focused on this one moment in time 
where he himself was going to be surrendered. God of all creation was going to be surrendered as a human God in the flesh person was going to be surrendered to the, into the hands of men that were going to destroy him and kill him. But he didn't worry about anything. He took it to the Lord in prayer with thanksgiving. And in the Gethsemane garden, he prayed, Father, if it be your will, take this cup away from me. But not my will, your will be done. And he walks through that suffering, knowing for the joy that was set before him, he endured the pain of the cross. And the pain of the cross wasn't just the physical abuse of the whips, the crown of thorns, and the crucifixion. That was all physical, and that was excruciating. But he endured, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? He was separated at that moment from God the Father. Because he took on our sin. He endured that because he knew, despite the fact that he can't see God anymore because of the sin that it was on him, that God is near. Do not worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. So he realized, and he knew, and he spoke the words, into your hands I surrender my spirit, Father. And he knew the outcome, that God is faithful, despite the cross, despite the crucifixion, despite the death, despite the unknown of whether the body will ever rise again. In his humanity, he surrendered himself. And the Lord carried him. And the Spirit who raised Christ from the dead now lives in you and in me. And as we come to the moment of communion where we share in that broken body, in that shed blood, this is what we focus on. This is what he has prepared us for. So if we can have the elements, please.